Hey, hey, welcome to the HVAC Joy Lab podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Shirk. This podcast focuses on creating more and more conversations about what optimizes life for an HVAC technician. My goal is my goal is to produce the most helpful content available for techs, full stop. Today, you're going to get to meet Dennis King. Um, he is currently the executive vice president for Star Service in Houston, one of the leading commercial and industrial HVAC companies in Houston and East Texas. Um, Dennis started as a tech and is now approaching 50 years in the business. Uh, he's also a great friend and has been my client for many years. Um, uh, the, 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 the level of wisdom that comes from a guy like Dennis, who uh, just gutted it out as a tech, went to night school and is now moving in very lofty circles. Um, there's lots of wisdom to glean from him about how to be happy as a technician. So let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to HVAC Joy Lab. I'm Dr. John Shirk, and I have with me today Dennis King, who is currently the Executive Vice President of Star Service in Houston, Texas. Um, he's got a very interesting uh, life in air conditioning. And uh, welcome, Dennis. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. So let's dive in, Dennis. Um, let's start just talking about you and your story. Um, you know, I'd okay. like to open these podcasts with uh, what's your superpower and what's your origin story, but let's start with your origin story. Um, okay. Like you, you tell me about, I know you grew up in Iowa on a farm. Yep. Grew up in Iowa on a farm and uh, enjoyed every bit of it. Wanted to be a farmer. I thought uh, couldn't afford to, my parents didn't own the land. So after doing some financial analysis at day of graduation, actually, I uh, became to the realization that I simply couldn't afford it. The cost to, uh, to buy equipment and lease ground was prohibitive. Yeah. So enrolled in tech school and decided I felt like that I could do quite well for myself as a technician. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I enjoyed people. I enjoyed fixing things. I enjoyed helping others. And that was a good way for me to be able to do that. Yeah, interesting. So um, I went to I went to tech school for a year and a half while I was working nights and weekends to try to put myself through school. Ended up landing a job with Johnson Controls. Mm -hmm. Worked as a technician for Johnson Controls for a number of years. Um, took advantage of every bit of training I could get um and continue to learn that's probably one of the things that everyone should keep 
in mind is it's it's a continuous learning journey life is yeah everything yeah. changes yeah the equipment changes technology changes and you know it's a matter of keeping up with it it's a matter of reading it's just a matter of being interested so you can apply those those skills and you, you you're not uh, overwhelmed with uh, an opportunity to turn when you're faced with one that you don't you didn't know about you know yeah either you've either seen something about it, read something about it, or you know where to go to get the information to help you. Yeah. So it's problem solving. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for a number of years. And in the meantime, I, I continued to uh, invest in learning and I enrolled in uh, university and mm -hmm. went to night school for nine years mm. to, to finally get my degree. And that's uh, remarkable, Dennis, that in the meantime, that's a, that's a lot of little sleep. Yeah, I got a little bit of I got a little bit of sleep. I got uh, married in the meantime, and we started mm -hmm. having children and, and uh, yeah, so I was gone a lot. But uh, what was triggered working. your what triggered your move into management then? Uh, it started out I, I wanted to, uh, I really enjoyed the engineering prospect of it. So I, I decided to, to try to spend some time internally with application engineering to better understand systems, because I really wanted to understand what HVA systems were about. And uh, that prompted me to learn even more, because then you got into hydronics, and you got into airflow, and you got into the other things that in the mechanical pieces of equipment that that are all comprised of uh, the systems and it's not just uh, you realize it's not just one piece of equipment you're dealing with that systems affect it they, you know they're affected by each individual component within a system and if one's not working right everything else gets affected in some way or another right so right. then I did that and then I had an opportunity just out of a sheer coincidence really to get into sales mm. and that's where I felt like the opportunity was really really add. I, I just felt like, man, I needed to do that. I wanted to get away from my tools. This is a way that, that life should work and, <laughs> and it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't better. <laughs> um, it was a lot more frustrating. It was yeah. a lot more challenging. It seemed so easy. I mm -hmm. sat there as a technician looking at the sales guys coming and going partying at night entertaining having a blast not working just sitting on their and their fat ass is what i would because <laughs> by the way and the our lead sales guy was a big fat guy um, <laughs> and i thought wow you know this is this is the life i could do this yeah well i did it i i forced myself to do it and i did it very well but it came with a toll and mm -hmm. uh one of the things that I've always missed was the feeling and the satisfaction I got from knowing I fixed something and I know knowing that I walked away from something helping someone else and making it better than it was when I got there. Yeah. And as a salesperson, you got to find another way to get your satisfaction because most of what you get is rejection. Mm -hmm. Now you get a win mm -hmm. occasionally, yeah. but then the next thing it's like, what are you doing for me lately? You know, what are you going to go sell now? <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't discourage someone from getting into sales, but I know that one of the misconceptions I had as a technician was, oh, I had to, the sales was a way to go. Those guys mm -hmm. had, well, yeah. Interesting. yeah, it's a completely different lifestyle. Well, and I have to say too, that I've heard 
like epic legendary stories of stress uh working sales at jci especially yeah and uh i i had lunch with a guy a few months ago and uh i said well what got you out of jci and he said i had a jci heart attack and i said mm -hmm. what's the jci heart attack he said just a panic attack i just yeah. <laughs> i just started just started having panic attacks i just had to... i didn't have a panic attack but i got to meet my doctor and got and introduced to high blood pressure medicines oh there you go yeah. There you go. So, you know, you, you, you process it differently. Um, yeah. And then continuing the journey, I did that for a number of years and then had an opportunity to get into sales management. Mm -hmm. And I actually enjoyed that better. I made less money, but um, I enjoyed it more because now I was helping people again. Yeah. So I was able to teach young folks. I was able to be more in a consulting role and, and than I was, uh, you know, what are you selling today and tomorrow and how much did you sell? And how are you going to sell the next day? And yep. from there, it just grew into, into an opportunity to get into branch management and regional management and, and so on. And I, I found that was my niche. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I matured and as I grew, I, I, I got more out of helping people than I, I did out of selling, you know, yeah. it was always fun to get a win, but that was never really what motivated me. Yeah. I, I talked to a good number of techs who, when I just asked them, what do you love about the work? It's kind of what you're describing. It's a combination of like troubleshooting, figuring things out, and then having a customer light up and say, thank you so much. My, you know, my, I just feel cold air coming on me. I can't believe you've done this. And yeah. you know, that, I'll, that feeling you know, of... I'll tell you a story that might, might help some folks. Um, as a technician so working in uh, hospitals in Western Kansas, mm. and I had developed some really good friends with the engineering directors in some of these smaller rural hospitals. And one gentleman in particular would invite me to his home. I knew his wife and his kids and we'd have dinner together. And I was so proud of myself. I went out there the day that I, you know, the week actually after I'd gotten my salesman promotion and I went out in my three piece suit and I walked in and he looked at me and he said, crap. <laughs> so what do you mean? He said, well, it's different now. And I said, I'm not any different than I was before. I'm, I can still help you. And he goes, nah. He said, there's a whole different level here now. He said, I said, what do you mean? He said, let me explain it to you. He said, how many times has the administrator, when you walk down the hall, spoken to you? I said, never. And he said, watch what happens today. We walk down the hall. Here comes the administrator. He stops shakes his my hand introduces himself and when i tell him who i'm with he thanks me for the support and so on and so forth and then on his and off his on, off he goes wow the gentleman looked at me and said see what i mean wow he said no longer are you the trust my trusted advisor now i've got one hand on my wallet because i'm going to be concerned your motivations are different than they were mm -hmm. before and i can no longer trust that everything you tell me will be exactly what I need to do. Wow. And from that day forward, we never went to his home again. He never invited me back to his family again. Wow. He treated me completely differently. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, you know, that's a real dynamic. Uh, we have a number of listeners who are selling residential technicians and that's that same dynamic. Uh, I've had it myself when it, last year when we had a technician come and we ended up changing out our air conditioning unit and um 
the guy comes in the door and you don't know who he is and he's charming and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And they push us a quote in front of me and it's like, well, what, what am I, what am I looking at here? You know? So it, it's a real, I understand it, it's a real dynamic and, but at, at the same time in that there's a dynamic inside that specific organization as well, you know, for that to be true. Yeah. I, we, we were, we were talking a little bit earlier that, um, I think I've told this this little joke about a hundred times now, but uh, it's it's a running paradigm for how I'm uh, encouraging people who are in management positions or ownership positions in air conditioning companies to think differently. Um, and it's just a dumb joke, but uh, a bear and a rabbit are sitting in the woods next to each other. And the bear asks the rabbit, do you have pro problem with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, not really. So the bear wipes his ass with the rabbit, right? Mm -hmm. So har har. It's actually an old Eddie Murphy joke, but it's a paradigm. And when I, I, if there's, when people ask me, what do I do? I tell them I help mechanical contractors make a difference for technicians <laughs> using culture. And that uh, the, the paradigm that starts coming out, like what they start saying back to me is, oh, so you're telling me I need to be nicer to the rabbits. I mean, if it isn't obvious in the paradigm, the technicians are the rabbits in that joke. Mm -hmm. right? And and what I say is no that the idea is not to get nicer with the rabbits. The <laughs> idea is the idea is there's only bears. There are no rabbits in this organization. Mm -hmm. They're only people worthy of the same level of respect across the board. And if you're if they're genuinely not worthy of that respect, they need to go. Yeah. I mean, this is when that's the case, you're at the point of building the right culture. You're building a culture in which technicians can come in, feel respected. Uh, be heard and and it doesn't really cost any money you just have to make a choice to think differently and, well, and, and I, to, to give you to pile onto that i don't look at it the same way a lot of people do and you you've seen the analogy of a, a triangle mm -hmm. where you've got layers of people within an organization to the tip right and the tip yeah. is touching the customer i think that pyramid's upside down hmm. I think the base of that pyramid is the technician. Yeah. And, and think about it this way. The technician is who's touching our customers. The yep. technician is who's serving our customers. The technician is who satisfies our customers. Yep. And our job is ma in management is simply to support them in their effort to do that. And yeah. if we truly think that way, they are the most important people in the organization because they're the closest to the revenue. Yeah, 100%. and that's the way I look at management, and that's the way I look at a service organization. And if you're going in any successful service organization, has figured that out, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, and that. So for the technicians who are listening, that's you know we're living right now in a labor market where any technician in any company can get another job somewhere else anytime they want. I mean, unless there's some real baggage you're carrying around, and I'm not saying you're going to go from being a residential installer to working on hundred ton chillers on some skyscraper, but I am saying um, that sort of peer to peer kind of jobs, you don't have to work where you work, wherever you are listening to this. If you are in North America, you don't have to work where you work. And now there can be some concern about, uh, and, and I will say that's a good thing for the overall industry. It's frustrating to some managers and owners who see people come and go or they see wages going up, um, but it's a good thing for the whole industry because on net, it's going to turn the technician 
role into a legitimate a, a role that's seen as a legitimate career job a career path and where people get respect they get well paid uh i think the days of six figure uh income for technicians are just right in front of us um and i so i think it's a good thing so if you're at work uh and frustrated with your boss and you feel like you know i've had enough or whatever I encourage you to to be bold. Don't be a jerk, but be bold and sit down and talk with them about what's frustrating you. Um, and if you feel like, you know, you just need, want to make a move, then explore it. And even though that creates a little bit of churn on a small scale, it writes the boat in some ways for technicians on a larger scale. So, you know, take what Dennis was just saying, take it to heart that if, if you are feeling a lack of respect where you are, don't just march out the door, sit down with them and say, why is it like this? Because when you, the, the formula for saying it, this will be another podcast, but the formula for saying it is when you blank, here's what happens. I feel disrespected. And then what's that behavior that they did and give them that feedback and give them a chance to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Right. And if they say, well, too bad, screw you, tech, rabbit, well, then you know you're not where you want to be. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty broken culture. But, you know, I, yeah. I see churn in two different ways and through my experiences. And one is there's frustrations on behalf of the technician that we don't know about. They don't. They just yeah. don't communicate it. They don't tell us. Yeah. Okay, so we can't fix it. Or two, they're lured away by the dollar. And what I mean by that is that there's always a few that seem to that you know, I can get a dollar more somewhere else. Right. And they don't consider carefully the culture that they're going into. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for an organization in the middle of the chaos and the hectic work schedule and everything else to, to feel apathetic or maybe not pay enough attention mm -hmm. to what's going on in the field. You, you, sure. it's hard to stay in touch. You, you, you get isolated through, you know, the sheer pressures of business and all the other junk you got to deal with that is not even, you're not even aware of when you're out in the field every day yeah. and, and, and you don't pay enough attention. And then, you know, people that are part of your, your key part of your company don't feel appreciated. Yeah. And that's when they need to speak up because I would say most of the time, they do care. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the lifeblood. Yeah. But they're just not aware. Well, and, and I would say that the, there's a variety out there because there's, um, you know, because I've just for the record here, I've, I've been, uh, Dennis has been my client for a number of years uh, on the consulting side of my business. And I would say that Star Service has a remarkably good, uh, high quality culture for technicians. Um, and, but for example, one of the things I heard just last week, uh, on the phone with the technician and I said, so you, you want to make a change he had applied for a job with somebody that is a client. And I said, he, he said, why? Well, I think I have to, I said, you know, it's a deal. He said, you know, the way this thing is set up, he's it's in the off season now. So he wasn't experiencing now, but he's, he knows summer's coming. And he said, in summertime, they don't tell us when it's the last call of the day. They just say, you just keep catching them until the board's clear. 
So I can't tell my wife if I'll be home for dinner. I can't tell my kids if I'm going to make it to their sports practice. I guarantee I can't coach any of their teams. And it's because this thing is hardwired into the way they do business. Um, and, and then in his case, he's one of the better techs at his company. And so they're the one he, they're the ones he always wants out there the most, or they always want out there the most because he knows what he's doing. And he said, uh, you know, I've been calling these guys 10 year Ted's because they're in residential air conditioning. This is about a 10 year process to get to that point where you're that guy, they trust you the most, you know what you're doing. And now it's like, why it feels almost like you're being punished for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's other examples of someone in North Louisiana. I talked to who was a, it was another residential company and they had sales figures they had to meet. And so the owner decided the way to handle this was put up a wall of shame he had eight by tens of everybody out in the field. And every week when they didn't meet their numbers, he could put their picture up on the wall of shame so that they could come in and get humiliated in the weekly meeting. And these are the kind of things that I, uh, I would bet that the same, the, the managers in these companies uh, would say, Oh no, I love my techs. My, my techs are really important. And they just don't, they don't make the connection that, what's actually happening to the tech when this stuff goes on. They just feel like, well, you know, business is tough. You just got to do what you got to do. And it, it doesn't translate into something better. It just, it keeps seeing the technician as a rabbit instead of a real partner in the business. Well, and you know, to your point there, John, that's a broken culture in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's why we're able to continue to find good technicians is because we don't yeah. treat them that way. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, but I think it's inherently part of and I think for me, being a being a technician for so many years, still loving it and still respecting it. Uh, it's 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 important to me. I don't think that I don't think like a bear and a rabbit. Yeah. I, I agree I, with you. I just don't. Having worked with you like, now for almost eight years, I, I agree yeah, with you. I just don't feel like that's 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 productive in any way, you know, yeah. and and not just in a technician role, but if you look at other industries and other job classifications, no one should be thought of that way. Right. Well, and I think it's an old paradigm uh, that's just it's it's hanging on to its last gasp because mm -hmm. the there was a lot of that kind of thing in the seventies. Right? Well. But yeah. there were there was high unemployment. There were a lot of people and, and, and before that as well, that there was a lot of there were there were many more available people than there were jobs. And so it was much easier to say, well, look, if you don't like it, I'll just take the next guy and you can just move out. Yeah, but we can't do that anymore. Right. right? No. So and it's not and this changes. It's going to be at least a generation until that dynamic shifts, because we're still retiring two for everyone coming in and that that pressure that's now getting put on owners and managers to be better. It's just driven by a market. It's not driven by a moralistic, you know, mandate to be better because you should be, it's just the reality of the situation. And so, and technicians shouldn't, they need to know that they need to know that's happening. You well, know? I think, I mean, you know, go back to what you said earlier, it's extremely important to understand where we are from a labor market. And you, I don't think you can overstate it. Um, yep. there are not enough people going into the trades right now. Yep. We're starting to see some interest in the junior high and high school levels mm -hmm. again, we, you know, through 
a lot of hard work by, you know, from some companies and people like yourself that are trying to encourage folks to consider that as a career, because it is certainly a career. And it, absolutely, you know, my father being a very uh, uneducated person, but extremely intelligent, not being able to go to high school because his dad died and he had to go to work in a brick factory, mm-hmm. had always said, learn a trade and you'll work and you'll eat forever. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's, that's, that's more true today than it was then. You know, Dennis, she really touched on something there too, that I think is super important for technicians. And it is to come to some resolve inside yourself as to whether you've got a job or a career. And if you have a career, obviously you're going to think differently. If you have a job, the most important day of the week is Friday. Mm-hmm. If you have a career, the most important time in your life is the next five years. And so a, it just makes a person happier to live with that perspective. They're more motivated. They have more things they're looking, uh, uh, looking forward to, and they they're more serious about developing their skills. And, and research clearly shows that as we get good at doing something, doing it feels good. Like it creates pleasure when you're, when you're a rookie out on a, job by yourself and you don't know for sure if you're right when you're troubleshooting and that's a scary situation right but when you know you know and you get to walk up and confidently look at a piece of equipment and you know you pull the cover off and you know you know what you're doing that just feels great right that doesn't you don't really get to that if you don't have a career that doesn't really happen that way because you don't care that's a good point and i adding on to that um once a lot of things that i see what i see in a lot of people is they get good at something and then they stop learning oh yeah and they're and they're done they think they've made it yeah well and you know it's like times doesn't stand still things continue to progress and suddenly now you're not you're not keeping up that's right Yeah. So that's a danger uh, in and of itself. And so I think your point about a career rather than a job is huge. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then I'll I'll add to that. I'll throw this out there, Dennis. You tell me if you disagree or would, would say it differently. The day you decide you want to have a career, um, you work in a commercial setting. And so this, this is especially true for commercial technicians. But when I hear technicians talking about having a career in a commercial setting, they start talking about wanting opportunities to work on chillers. And I always say, hang on. If you want to have a career, especially, in, this is true in residential too, but especially in commercial, you have to commit yourself to being the Michael Jordan of customer service. The, the most on-point, listening, well-spoken know how to communicate status of a situation to a customer. The, the if, if you're the kind of person who customers ask for you again and again, they say, can, can you please send him back this time? Because we really like having him here. Guess who they're going to invite to work on a chiller? It's you. That dynamic of customer service. And again, it, it's true in residential, but it it's a, um, they don't see you in a recurring way like they do in a maintenance business. And so when you're the guy they want, you become confident they're going to renew that. You're the person creating confidence that contracts renewed, that that relationship is solid with the people boots on the ground. It Everything flows opportunity-wise from your quality of customer service. And here's what's great about that. 
there's a little bit of skill involved, but not that much. It's really just wanting to help people and solve problems. And I mean, if you really commit yourself to that, you can have a career that goes almost anywhere. You know, I add to that. Um, one of the most respected man, businessmen I ever knew in my career made a comment one day when he was interviewing. He said, uh, I said, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm interviewing 80% on attitude and 20% on aptitude. Yeah. Because if someone has the right attitude, I can train anyone. Yep. And that that goes to your point. But but I want to add something else too, you know, because sure. you're right about the chiller tech being the the panacea, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but systems today uh, are more complex in the air-cooled VRF, uh, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, you know, applied equipment still, but not a, chill, a chiller centric system necessarily. Mm -hmm. So the chillers are huge pieces of equipment that cost a lot of money, but they're just a big old heavy, nasty motor with some impellers and some refrigerant in it. And you get into these other systems, these these rooftop package units and, and these other things, they're, they're far more complex. They're far more technical. Yeah. And I, in my opinion, take much more intelligence in, in chutzpah to figure out than these chillers do. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, that's a good point. And um, the, there are, in fact, I, I, uh, I have a friend, Aaron, who's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Um who he's the owner of a residential company in Kentucky and he's got 40 technicians and all he handles are uh, high-end residential Siemens equipment. And they're, he's got, I mean, they're all, they all have their own control systems and he's monitoring all of them from his office and it's residential work. And I mean, these are, these, these systems are really coming online uh, in, in not in, not only in like, uh, you know, a super brand new, commercial high rise or something they're just coming online across the board oh i'm changing out my units right now and yeah. um, i i hired a local rep uh, train rep to help me um, <laughs> being being retired from train i felt it was important to this to continue <laughs> to support the loyal brand right but what i'm fascinated by is the complexity of the air handlers and the mm. condensers um it, it's not a matter of charging the system, turning it on, and letting it rip. We've got nine stages of of fan progression. We've got, wow. you know, yeah, we've got variable speeds in the condensers. We've got two stage heating, you know, and um, with with very with nine different steps on the motor, and and you can program each one of them in various time and and uh, and in temperature variant elements. It's it's really fascinating that the amount of technology that's gone into these systems and it's a simple little two and a half or three ton system. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's really something uh, on your home. On my home. Yeah. See that. So you made the point is well taken that uh, what you just, just, just described is I think a much more complicated technical learning curve than doing an annual on a chiller. Oh, I mean, by far. Yeah. Cause that's, that's uh Interesting. Yeah, and if you want to learn how to, to punch tubes on a chiller, 
Yeah, get your boots on and, and be prepared to stand there all day running a brush through a, a tube for eight <laughs> hours. <Yeah>, pretty exciting <laughs> stuff. Oh, uh, shoot. Well, listen, Dennis, um, is there any kind of, you know, the, the, the goal here is to create content, ideas, stories, uh, in your case, role modeling, um, for technicians in just the construction of a happy life. Cause it's in, um, in my experience, talking to technicians, um, there's a lot of things working against them being happy. I mean, it, I mean, all the, even up to, and including, um, the way most air conditioning, air conditioning companies are set up, it, it is, it's not easy for them to be proactive. They're, they're kind of being told where to go. They're being sent to the next job. They're getting called by the dispatcher. Why aren't you done yet? There's a kind of wave of, uh, or wake even of doing business as a technician that, uh, and, and there's other things as well, but that, that challenge that tech's, uh, uh, natural ability to own their life, build the life that they want and go be happy. Um, so in your case, Dennis, it sounds like you never really felt like you were under that wave. You just kind of took hard work and just snuffed it out and just said, I'm, I'm going to cut a path, even if I have to, you know, whatever, whatever that much hard work includes. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, if you're in the service industry and I don't care what job you have at that point, if you're, if you truly want to serve a customer, there's going to be times you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yeah. Whether it's your lunch or an evening or a night or the call out in the middle of the night or whatever the case is, if that's your week to be on call, but that's going to happen. The, you said it earlier, it's how you interact with the customer that's going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah. You can, um, you can satisfy them and you can be the best dang technicians on the planet. But if you got a shitty attitude, you, they're not going to like you. Yeah. They may, res they may be, they may be thankful you got the system up, but they're not going to be calling you asking you for your back. Right. Um, right. But you know, that satisfaction and that drive and the, the things that really motivate someone come from within, it's not something that someone can give you. Yep. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And, you know, it's deciding and, you know, I never made a decision. I never thought of it as, well, this is a career, not a job. I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it was, I wanted to continue to do more. I wanted to, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be better. I, what can I do to be better? That was what I always said. And I knew that if I did that money came, it didn't always come as fast as I wanted it, but I was always able to progress and it was important that I felt that. And, you know, there'd be times I would sit down with my boss and I would talk to him and say, you know, I'm feeling frustrated. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. What, what suggestions do you have? What can mm -hmm. I do to make it better? And in every case, I got laughed at a couple of times, but in every case I was, I was giving some feedback. I was given feedback that helped me. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, one is a story that comes to mind. I was uh, telling the, the the technician that was charging my system today, it was it's cold here today, and uh, he was outside and he was complaining. And I said, I'll tell you a little story. I said I was in 
Western Kansas in the middle of winter on a route. <laughs> it was 20 below zero and we had 30 mile an hour winds. And I had mm. was called out to a no heat call and the superintendent and the principal were all just at the point of what do I do? Do I cancel school? Am I going to be able to get heat on? The cold building's getting cold. So I got there, uh, got up on the roof, and it was, I mean, when I say cold, it was brutally cold. And I was such that I couldn't work with gloves because I had to be able to use meters and so forth to, to because it was, it was electronics. And after about 10 minutes, I couldn't feel my fingers. I couldn't hold the meter. Mm. I, I just, I couldn't do it. So I crawled back down the ladder and I'm standing in the utility room with my arms under my, you know, hands under my arms, trying to warm up. Mm. And they came in and they, you know, the principal started screaming at me. Mm. What are you doing down here? Get your ass back up on the roof. We need this fixed. <laughs> And I had a choice to make at that moment. I could have popped off at him and, and just told him to go somewhere. But I chose not to. I, I just looked at him and I held out my blue hands and I said, sir, if you would give me another five or minutes or so, so I can warm up and feel my fingers again, I'll be happy to go back up and give it a try. Hmm. And he looked at me and he realized in that moment that he was being a bud. <laughs> and he said i am so sorry hmm. do what you can do thank you yeah yeah and up i went i was able to get heat on and that was the most appreciative customer <laughs> afterwards <laughs> that i've ever had not only was he feeling guilty but they were also truly appreciative yeah but that felt good and that was a you know i could have i could have handled that differently and it would have it could have been bad but hmm. You know, it, that goes back to what's your attitude like and how do you interact with your customer? And, and, you know, what do you, at the end of the day, what do you want to walk away with? Yeah. I didn't know at that moment if I could fix the unit. I didn't know if I had the components or parts. I didn't even know what was wrong. I just knew it was broke. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let me ask you one last question. Um and this is going to be a whole podcast. Maybe I'll ask you back again when I, when I get to it. So as a technician in the service business, um, lots of called out, lots of out at night kind of thing. Um, you've been married for how many years now? Yeah, 48. 48 years you've been married. Yeah. So that's a lot of times that Karen has been at home, you know, waiting to see car lights in the driveway. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any words of wisdom for technicians now who are married and need to communicate with their wives about this business of being out? Well, it's it's a matter of um, priority and planning. You know, mm -hmm. I I miss some things with our kids at times, mm -hmm. but when I wasn't working, my priority was my wife and my children. Yeah. And I made it a point to make sure that I tried to balance that as best I could. And I, you know, work-life balance, I never did it really well. I always tended to work more than I <laughs> felt that way to me yeah. because I was always trying to do more to, to be with the family. So there were very few times that we really had an issue with that because she understood that was my job, but at the same time, she also understood that that our my goal was to be there as much as I possibly could. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, part of the challenge for me was too, I wasn't home every night. I was gone three nights a week, typically, because I I had a, I had a territory that, you know, the entire state. So it was impossible to get back and forth. And then, you know, going to night school didn't help. Yeah. But uh, it was a, it was something we talked about. It was something we agreed to do. And uh, we felt that it was going to be better for all of us in the long run. So I heard two things in there. Um, One is just communicating. I don't prefer to be out there. I would rather be here. Yep. And make sure that that's known. And number two, you said right there at the end, we had a shared goal and we both agreed that this course of activity would take us to a place we both want to go. Yes. Right. So again, I'm just trying to extract from what you had said advice for these guys. So technicians, as you're listening to this podcast, do you have these conversations with your spouse? Do you, do you have a place that you're both trying to get and she's got her role and you've got your role? Um, if you're a technician and you have young children, there's going to be pressure put on your marriage, full stop. So you can either let that erode your relationship or you can talk to your spouse about it and establish what is this, what is this life we're trying to build together? And agree that what she's got to do and what you've got to do and be on the same page about that with the idea that you're going to get there together. And that's absolutely well said, John, because I mean, it's a give and take, Yeah, you know, it wasn't all take it, It's got to be a compromise and it's got to be something you work through together and it, yep. it will, it will work out if you do. And then you talked earlier about that employer that, you know, I don't know what time you're going to get home. I'm not telling you, you just work until the glass call. That's, that's not, that's not good. Because you can't plan anything in that environment. But I've, you know, I can, I would say there's opportunities out there where there are people that will allow you to do, you know, you've got, Hey, can you take me off the schedule this, this afternoon after four 30? Cause my kid has a program at school. I'd like to attend. Most of the time, unless there's some huge emergency, you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. But it's a matter of communicating internally to the organization as well. Right. That's right. Well, listen, Dennis, this has been a great podcast. I really appreciate you taking some time uh, on behalf of the technicians who listen to this podcast. Thanks for your story and the being a role model. Um, if are you on, you're on LinkedIn, right? Yes. Um, so you could probably reach out to Dennis if you wanted to say hi and, and follow up with him on LinkedIn, Dennis King. Um, uh, he's the, uh, uh, senior vice president. Um, no executive vice president. Yes. Sorry. Executive vice president at star service. Uh, you just heard he's, he's had a long and, uh, fruitful career where he started out as a technician. And I can tell you the circles he moves in now are fairly lofty. So um, I didn't want to put an emphasis on that so much, Dennis, because we're talking to technicians. But I can tell you, if you want an example of a legitimately very successful technician who took it all the way, that's Dennis King. I'd, be, I'd appreciate that, John, and I'd be happy to talk with anyone. Okay. All right. Everybody have a great day. Yeah. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next Bang. time. Bye-bye. A good life is had. HVAC Joyland